Good morning. Did we all have Princeton moving on in our brackets? <laughs> um, I'm not making fun of the U of A or U, a, U, a, U Arizona, whatever they're called now. Um, but uh, that was sad. I have a lot of friends that are had them going a long way in their brackets. But uh, we're not going to talk bracketology this morning. Um, but we are going to talk about something I think is very a very serious issue. We're going to start off with crime and punishment. And, and so my question as we were doing this, what are the keys to lower crime rates? What's the key to lo- lower crime rates? Is it is it better legislation and in, in prosecution or do we need better enforcement? Um, I was watching something yesterday that just brought back – I was looking at – I was watching old documentaries yesterday and there is a documentary that you can get and I encourage you to do it. It's very interesting, especially when you're listening to it and watching it in t- with today in mind. And it has to do with the uprising of the cartels and the cocaine, the narco-terrorism that was going on in the late 70s and the early 80s in South Florida. And, of course, I watched it with interest growing up in South Florida. But it was so interesting to hear about some of the things that were going on and how it mirrors what we're seeing happening right now. And it wasn't until President Reagan and then eventually President Bush, I'm talking about George H.W. Bush, Bush 41, until they got very serious about this, that those cartels were busted up. And and to watch the murder and the mayhem because of the money and what was going on in Miami at that time. But where it struck me was there was such a crime epidemic going on in South Florida that Miami, the city of Miami, lowered dramatically lowered its standards for police officers. And uh, one, one of the things it talked about in this was about how the po- police department used to say you have can never have used drugs. Then you couldn't have used drugs in the last 10 years. Then it was five years. And then it lowered the standards. And um, what ended up happening was corruption within the Miami Police Department. The people that were able to slip through the cracks that were corrupt, that were actually running drugs within the police department. And it struck me that we are seeing police agencies across the country out of necessity. Now, there's a difference between changing your standards based on laws. We look now about the legalization of marijuana, what do police officers do, what happens in this situation and that situation. That's different than lowering standards. And we know that there are agencies that are being criticized for lowering their standards in order to get police officers. So there's some of that mixed in this. But in uh, in Texas, I believe they're getting ready to do this. And here is a story from a couple of days ago. A bill in the Arizona legislature intends to charge drug traffickers or dealers with first degree murder if a person they sell dies from fentanyl. Is this a good idea? We keep calling it poison. There is a mother in the story that's quoted, and her son died. Um, her name is Teresa Guerrero. Uh, had a mission to educate the community about the dangers of fentanyl. From uh, from your son, have a blessed Mother's Day, said Guerrero, advocating for this change. Reading the last card from her son, and that's what it said. I look up in the sky, and I start crying and just begging God not to let him pass away. I've never gotten anywhere faster than I did that day. Her son, Jacob, passed away in May of of 2020. Here's a quote from this mother. It's not overdose. We don't, as parents, call it an overdose. We call it a drug-induced homicide, fentanyl poisoning. It is a weapon of mass destruction. So my question is, when it comes to specifically this drug, but when it comes to the overall rise in crime that we are seeing, is it about legislation or is it about enforcement? 
Do you agree because of the epidemic of fentanyl, because of the toxicity of fentanyl, that it has gone beyond being a drug and it's a poison? If you believe it's a poison, are they being poisoned by the people that deal in it? I've talked about the cartels. I think that that is one side of this issue. It's a big side of this issue. They are the producers. They are the tra- they are the deliverers of this poison. But there are people listening to my voice right now that know someone that is dealing in this stuff. So what in the world are we doing? So AZ family has is talking about this, what this fentanyl bill would do. A proposed bill would charge fentanyl dealers with first-degree murder if someone uses their drug, overdoses, and dies. So Sonny Borelli, Senator, I think he's the majority leader in the Senate, had this to say about the bill. If somebody is selling fentanyl, part of an organized crime enterprise, they deserve to die. They deserve to go to prison for the rest of their lives. This is poison. It's killing Americans. So uh, Senator Christine Marsh voted no on this, and why Senator Marsh voted no? My primary desire beyond having my son back is that people involved in his death are never involved in another one. But I would rather see some type of intervention. I've even testified in court on behalf of my own son's death about this, that I'd rather see some type of community service with a harm reduction entity or something, because a lot of these deaths are indeed unintentional. Yet yeah, the deaths are unintentional, but the issue is, and, and, and this, is the, this is where the divide is, and I'm not going right or wrong here. I'm saying the difference is in an opinion. Uh, there are those that believe that a gun manufacturer should be held responsible for someone that dies by, at, at the hands of a gun they manufactured. It is no longer about the person that's holding the gun. It's about the gun itself. So the argument here is, is fentanyl dangerous enough? Is fentanyl a dangerous enough substance that we know how deadly it is and that young people, it is the number one killer of young people, that a law that does this, it says you are not, you're not a drug dealer. This isn't an overdose. You know how dangerous this is and you're poisoning people with what you're selling. So here is a person named Ashley Brown talking about the justice here. You took someone's life. There's no way that you should be able to walk this earth and move on with your life. Your mother gets to see you every day. Your dad gets to see you every day. Your family gets to see you every day. You killed a person. So it is bigger than just fentanyl. It's happening here. It's happening in Texas and other places, remarkably border states, where they're saying if you're dealing in this stuff, then you are if somebody dies. You're going to be on the hook because you sh- you're the one that provided it. So if you are someone that provides a handgun to someone that commits suicide, if you know someone is suicidal and you provide a handgun to them, should you be convicted of a crime for helping to facilitate that death? These are legal and moral questions combined. Uh, what this would mean to prosecutors, what, how this would stand up in court, I don't know the answer to that. But is there value in saying we need better legislation, more stringent, more strict, strict legislation to let people know that if you're trafficking in this stuff here, you are going to pay a heavy price because we know so much of this poison is coming across our border. 
I'll give you the other end of this spectrum, and it has nothing to do with fentanyl. The Los Angeles district attorney that many here in Arizona know, his name is George Gascon. George Gascon used to be the police chief in the city of Mesa. And uh, all I can say to Mesa is, man, did you dodge a bullet when he left? Um the Employee Secure Transport and Escort Program is called E-Step. It shuttles city employees between their cars and their workplaces in downtown L.A. You want to know why? It was developed after a series of incidents where public officials have apparently been confronted by members of the public. So when people are upset about pieces of legislation or whatever else, they are confronting city workers. So George Gascon, instead of getting a handle on criminals, what he's doing is bussing his employees. Wouldn't it be nice if if you had that same option, you know, for all the people that are gun control advocates, the ones that have the uh, the ability and many of them are our legislators at the highest levels in this country, members of Congress and otherwise that travel with security at your expense where they have armed security with them at all times. Well, you and I don't have that luxury. We don't have that kind of money. Maybe some of you do. I don't. And yet they want to take away your ability to protect yourself. To me, it is it's 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 a fascinating look. And so this law in Arizona, I hope you'll contemplate it. Do you think do you think that this is a good idea? Should we call fentanyl poison, not drugs? And a drug dealer is a killer. If somebody dies, they should know better. We'll find out. A uh, number of people earning college degrees have dropped for the first time in a decade, and I've got some new information, very, very quiet information about education in Arizona. We'll talk about that coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Um, I want to talk about education as we always do. And New York State is to, getting ready to lower proficiency scores and standardized testing. Uh, you know, the old joke, um, you know, if it's below your standards, then uh, lower your standards. Um, that's a part of this. There's a bigger conversation that we have a lot about education because we all want the same thing, educated young people. What we do is we define education differently. I would like to have students, and my kids are an example of this, um, and certainly I was not perfect in, in helping them in every way, but my kids can read. Uh, my kids have opinions of their own, and believe me, many times they're much different than mine. Um, I didn't look at success in my children or my girls as um, that they think like me. They don't. Um, they don't think like they're not interested in the same things I'm interested in. They don't see issues the way I see them. Uh, a matter of fact, sometimes they see them the complete opposite way that I see them. But they are able to argue a point. They're able to make a point. They're able to research and figure out what they believe. And that's all I wanted. I don't it's not about money. It's not about status. It's not about any of those things. I just wanted them to be intelligent and they are. Well, then you take that intelligence and there's a difference between intelligence and education. And they're now they're educated. They can read. They can write. My oldest has a college degree. Um, and and so I'm very proud of both of them. Um, and I'm looking at society now and we have to admit that we're not getting there. One of the questions is about who is. 
Um, what's behind a drop in the number of people that are earning college degrees? Why is this happening? Are they less prepared for college? Are they less interested in it? Are they chasing other avenues? Are they understanding that college is becoming so immensely expensive and the payback is not worth the expense, so they're looking for other avenues? I'll be honest. I don't know the answer to that question, but I do know for the first time in a decade, number of people with college degrees have dropped. Um, we argue here in Arizona, and I, you know, I, I wrestled with this now for about 24 hours. Um, and it is uh, – the educators in Arizona have done this. This has been a weird thing about the AEU, which is the Arizona Educators United. It is an organization of – it's a. It's not a union because we don't have unions in Arizona that are strong unions. It's an organization of teachers that call themselves a union. But everything they do is kind of secret, um, and I don't understand that. I, I beg people to go to my social media. I, I have my conversations on Twitter out in the open. I put things up on social media. You can go to my Facebook page, and if you don't like things, I, most of the time, unless you're vulgar, I leave them up there. Um, Twitter, I interact with people that disagree with me all the time. I, I believe in an open discussion, and I'm respectful of the people that don't agree with me. Um, because I just think, you know, listen, that's what social media is for, is you're supposed to be out there. Um, I defy you to go to one of the – try to get on to one of these teacher pages. See if you can. Wait until you see the questions you have to answer before they accept you into the group. And then disagree with them a couple of times on a post and see what happens. Um, and this is the thing that's so weird um, about them. And I'm not going to out them for anything, although I've got all, everything – you know, it, it's it's how they do things. Um, they They – they, they circle everybody around in this very tight circle because they're afraid somebody's going to come in and disagree with them. And then they wonder why their numbers have shrunk to the numbers they have. So they were down at the Capitol and they were protesting. Um, they don't like this new hotline. They don't like the Empower hotline that's going on. And they don't like Tom Horn because he's a Republican and they don't like him in the position he's in. He's not an educator. This is what these people. So right away they go after somebody's character. It's not that you're wrong, Mr. Horn. It's that you're unqualified. Well, he's been the superintendent of public instruction before in the state of Arizona. He won the job again by the vote of the people. So they they are holding a thing, and I'm not going to out this. I, I mean, I could, but I'm not going to. They've got a thing going on. I believe it's on Sunday, and it's like a conference call. It's, so it's everybody that already agrees with everybody. They call it a community meeting, um, and it's called a horn in our side. Clever very clever, a horn in our side. And so they're going to get together in this phone conference and I've got the number and I've got the passcode and I'm not going to be a part of the call because I'm not going to A, waste my time and B, it's their meeting. They have a right to their meeting. But if they really want community input, if they want to hear all sides, why don't they do what I do? I've been begging Rebecca Gorelli. They call her Union Becky, by the way. I've invited her on the show a number of times publicly. We've talked to some of the leadership, uh, Marisol Garcia, others we've reached out. I haven't personally in a long time, but we've reached out to them in the past and asked them to come on the show because I would love to have the conversation about our likenesses and our differences. And there would be some areas where we agree. But this is one more example of how they demonize any, they demonized former Governor Ducey. He was the demon. Didn't matter how much of a pay raise or how much more money went into education. It didn't matter that factually, in the last couple of years, we have bumped into the aggregate expenditure limitation. The AEL has been hit. That's how much more money was put into education in Arizona. That didn't matter. What mattered is he was a Republican governor that ignored them. 
See, I have conversations about them or I talk to them. He completely ignored them and they couldn't stand it. Well, now they've got a Republican in the office because Kathy Hoffman lost the race. They have a Republican in that position. And they can't stand him either. So it is going to be to demonize. He's horrible. He is terrible at the job. He doesn't know what he's doing. And that's what happens when you can't argue a policy or argue an argument. You attack the arguer. You attack the person bringing forth the conversation. So they're going to get together on this conference call or whatever the heck it is. And they're just going to complain to each other about how bad everything is and how horrible people are. And that that's what they're going to do. And, and what they do, what they've done, this is where the difference lies. Whereas what they did when the hotline came out, they didn't like the hotline. And now all of a sudden people are calling the hotline and leaving vile responses and vile e- voicemails and clogging up the system to ruin this for other people. I've got all their contact information for the meeting. I'm not going to out it. It's your meeting. I don't want to ruin your meeting, but I just think people should know what you're doing. And maybe you should tell them too. Uh, coming up in a moment, Gatos joins me. It's the big Q poll question of the day, so stick around for it. The Gatos Big Q poll question brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Hey, happy Friday, Gatos. Happy Friday. How's it going, man? It's going well. Now, listen, you are the bracket master, but there's no way you had Princeton. I had Princeton. It did not. No, I didn't. I'm just kidding. (laughs) So you know what I did yesterday? What did you do? I thought that this would be funny. You know what I did? I thought I'd be a funny guy. You know what I did? What? I decided uh, I'm going to copy President Biden's bracket. Oh, no. And I'm just going to, throughout the NCAA tournament on the show, say, I copy the president's bracket. I thought it'd be funny. You know, I don't know. I don't really know anything about this stuff. I, I, yeah. I get kind of lucky and I start winning. And uh, boy, that president really, really screwed me. Boy, he hates Arizona, doesn't he? Just hey, screws up the border, and screws up the U of A. It's unbelievable, man. I can't oh believe I gosh. did that. Oh, oh my God! Is is your question about the about March Madness, or did you switch it up? I got a good question here. What What's the biggest story in Arizona? Biggest story in Arizona, okay? Mm-hmm. Taylor Swift concert, Glendale, right? Uh-huh. I'd say. Uh, B, uh, University of Arizona blows it in the first round. Uh, C, St. Patrick's Day. And then this one's kind of obscure that I found, but it might be the biggest story of the day. D, Time Magazine actually named Tucson as one of the world's greatest places. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Listen, I know Tucson is an easy target. Mm-hmm. It's an easy target because Tucson sucks. <laughs> it's awful. I mean, it's just, it's a great town if you want to go to the U of A. It's a good school. They can't play basketball, but it's a good school. But there is no way that is a destination like Barcelona. When I, <laughs> Time Magazine said. So I'm like, when I you've moved got here, to be kidding When me. I moved here, I had never been to, t- I drove through Tucson when I came. I hadn't been to Tucson. And I had to go for work. And I said, what's there to do in Tucson? And a guy I worked with said, just remember that the wind always blows south in Phoenix because Tucson sucks. <laughs> That's what someone said to me. And, right. and, they're, and they're right. Yeah. Well, Ugh, it's yeah. a great question, man. I hope you have a good weekend and I'll talk to you on Monday. That Biden really screwed me. <laughs> All right. The big Q poll question of the day brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers.